deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke. So excited that you've taken the opportunity to download the show, stream it online, stream it on Facebook, stream it on YouTube, wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for doing so. It means the world to us that you are a listener and a part of this show and part of the Texas Outdoor Nation. So what's up, guys? I'm so excited to be back in front of this microphone. I'm so excited to have the opportunity to to uh, visit with you guys again and uh, just really enjoy doing this show every two weeks and uh, it is just brings joy to me when I hear from some of you guys. I had a uh, listener reach out the other day that basically said that he was uh, liking my podcast with the um, subject of the exotics in the off season and was looking for a good ranch and needed some, some advice on what ranch to go to uh, for an axis and a hog hunt. And uh, I love that stuff, man. Your comments are my oxygen, guys. And I, it really means the world to me that y'all reach out to me on social media and ask me those kind of questions. I'm always happy to spend as much time as I need to with you to uh, to help you, you know, just, just embrace the outdoor lifestyle. So this is going to be an awesome show. We are going beyond Texas today, folks. And uh, we're basically going to go to a um, place in the great beyond, Alaska. And I've never covered Alaska on this podcast before, but this is the time of the year that I really want to cover something that is a a great destination, a trip of a lifetime, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Alaska, the last frontier, um, just fantastic fishing, fantastic hunting there. And I uh, got introduced to this gentleman that I'm going to interview, Mr. James Stegall. Uh, Captain James Stegall, I should say, uh, because uh, Port Lions Lodge, because uh, through a mutual friend of ours, he works with Ted Johnson, who is a uh, fishing marketer and hunting lodge marketer, and uh, he's a fantastic guy. I was just on his podcast. I mentioned that, I think, on the last show, Fish on Ted podcast, which is a great podcast for outfitters and guides, and uh, he turned me on to this guy, and this is a fantastic interview. I really think you're going to like this so much. So uh, we talk about fishing, hunting, uh, all kinds of things around Alaska as a destination piece um as just some place you might consider going uh as a, like i say trip of a lifetime or someplace you, you've never been before um the the hunting and fishing in that in that heritage and that uh, culture is just amazing so before we get cranking on with our content today and our interview i wanted to definitely mention our sponsor of this episode and that is silencer shop is your transfer powered by silencer shop Make sure you see the iSpy powered by icons in the top right corner of Form 4. Those icons in that location mean that you can enjoy error-free Form 4 processing, line-by-line form review by NFA experts, exclusive ATF-approved barcoding process, and the lowest error rate in the industry. You have access to the Powered by Silence Shop network with Silence Shop. That is over 300 Powered by Silence Shop dealers nationwide. Quick and easy resubmissions with uh, their SID kiosk. Purchases eligible for the Single Shot Trust as well. And you qualify for a 90-day money-back guarantee if you work with Silence Shop. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or you receive a full refund excluding your tax stamp. Demand Powered by... Find your nearest dealer or shop the industry-leading inventory at silencershop.com. That's silencershop.com. Folks, if you've never taken the opportunity to shop for a silencer, they're legal here in Texas for you to use during hunting season. Uh, Fantastic value that Silencer Shop has. Fantastic selection that they have. I saw them at the NRA show um, last month, I believe it was. Yeah, it was last month. And um, 
they just had a cranking booth. I mean, their booth was incredible, and I put pictures of that in the last show notes, and I'll probably put those same pictures in this set of show notes, too, for those of you guys that didn't see them before, but um, just remember, powered by Silencer Shop. Listen, if you did not get it powered by, then you are missing out on the largest inventory in the industry, a 90-day money-back guarantee, and the most obvious, error-free forms and fast ATF processing. I don't like to wait for stuff, guys. Y'all know that about me, and that's one thing that they make a very simple, or as simple as possibly can be, uh, work of the um, ATF process and only own, owning silencers. So uh, definitely check out silencershop.com. Fantastic sponsor of this show and fantastic uh, silencer selection. So moving right along, here we go. Really wanted to do something different and kind of get outside of Texas for a little while, and uh, we do that in this show. So here's my interview with Captain James Stegall of Port Lions Lodge. Joining me on the phone, Mr. James Stegall from Port Lions Lodge in Alaska. Uh, how are you doing today, James? I'm doing great. Doing great. That's wonderful. I always say I'm better than I deserve. That's a Dave Ramsey quote that I stole many years ago. <laughs> so, um, But thank you so much for joining us on the show, and I uh, really appreciate the time you're taking to do this little interview with us. And give us a little background of yourself and how you got started with Port Lions Lodge and, and some basics on Alaska, if you don't mind. Yeah, certainly. I, I am a biomed by education training I owned a business in Anchorage, Alaska, service, servicing and selling medical equipment all over the state of Alaska. And along the way, I bought a boat down in Seward, Alaska, Resurrection Bay. And after about three or four years, me and my sons started up a charter operation where I would uh, work all week in my x-ray business. Friday afternoon, I would take off and drive two and a half hours down to Seward, race down there, help them clean the, the daily catch from Friday, go out and fish with them Saturdays and Sundays, and then head back on Sunday night or Monday morning to the grind. I did that for a lot of years. Wow. That's, a, that's a grueling I, schedule right there. <laughs> oh, I did it for several years. So the summers were hard because it was, you know, the, the, the crew fished 90 to 100 days every summer, and I fished every weekend. Right. I got to a point where my website, through my website, I was booking about four or five other boats right. in the Seward Harbor. So I decided I was going to buy an additional boat that I would run on maybe take – I was going to do four-day work work day, work day weeks, sorry. And then uh, I was going to take three-day three, three day weekends and run my own boat. Sure. Um I had a captain running my boat Monday through Friday, and to hire a good captain, you can't bump them on the weekends. You know that's right. that's their job that's for the summer. Money, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was buying a second boat, and I was pretty set on the fact that I wanted an Armstrong catamaran because there were about five or six of them in the Seward Harbor that had showed up new over the last few years. I had gone out on a couple of them, extremely stable, you know, awesome vessel. So I started searching, you know, the Alaska charter operators and the websites that we have up there. And I found one in Port Lyons, scheduled to go out and look at it. Um, the Andreessens, who had built and started Port Lyons Lodge, uh, they were selling a boat, the, the Laura Beth, specifically an Armstrong Cat. Um, I flew over to Kodiak Island, beautiful place. I got a taxi ride out to the dock. They met me there. 
uh, picked me up. We ran across. It's a 30-minute ride from Anton Larson Bay dock over to Port Lyons Harbor. And on the way across, there were whales everywhere spouting wow. things. Yeah, sea otters in the water, eagles everywhere. It was just fascinating. And we got to the dock. I looked over the boat real well. They, uh, you know, due to flight schedules and all, it was going to be an in and out day. Uh, they had they had made a lunch for us, so I went over to the lodge. I had lunch. Uh, we were negotiating about the price of the boat, and I'm puzzled. I'm I'm asking them things like, uh, how many people can you take here at your lodge? And they said twelve, up uh -huh. to twelve. Uh -huh. And I said, uh, so you have two six passenger boats that are about identical. And you've got a lodge that can take 12 people, so you're selling one of the boats. What's wrong with it? Right. And they looked at each other kind of puzzled, and they said, oh, we're selling everything. Oh, and we're selling wow. the lodge and both boats, but they just didn't get a buyer in the time frame that they wanted. They had a couple deals where the buyers, due to financial situations, had to drop out. Sure. So they had decided that they were going to sell one of the boats and run a little bit smaller operation until they could sell the rest of it. I see. So I sat at the table and I told them that I had some thoughts, some thinking to do, and I would make them an offer on their boat. Went back home, thought about it for about three or four or five days, called them back and made an offer to buy the entire lodge and wow. both of the boats, the whole operation. And when I did, did that, I sold my business, Advanced Diagnostics, my x-ray business in Anchorage, to, to my partners. I sold my shares in it. I sold my boat and my operation in Seward, which was um, Seward Adventure Charters, and I packed up everything that I wanted to keep and loaded it up with a U-Haul and got on the ferry down in Homer, Alaska. The ferry, well, it's really unique. It'll go from Homer to Port Lyons then to Kodiak, it'll right. set there for the afternoon, and then in the evening, it'll come back to Port Lyons and then go back to Homer. Oh, wow. I, I say that because that's a pretty cool way for us to go from Port Lyons to Kodiak to buy supplies, and we can go from Port Lyons to Homer to the mainland if we need to. So that's, that's another option to get in and out of there. But anyway, I went to look at a boat, bought two boats and a lodge. Wow, what a story. That's incredible. Yep. Goodness. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. you know, when you're there, that lodge is the the Port Lions Lodge is literally it's the closest building in the community, which is a small little Native Alaskan village on the north shores of Kodiak Island. Uh -huh. um, we're in Kazuyak Bay, uh, right off of Marmot Bay, and 15, 20 minutes from us, we have Whale Pass, Whale Island. Raspberry Island, which is pretty well known, and a Fognac are, are known, and a Fognac Island are both right to our north. So we fish in Whale Pass, we fish in the Fognac Straits, you know, we fish and hunt all around the, that side of a Fognac, Raspberry Island, and Kodiak and Whale Islands. So we have we have the most protected waters that I've ever been in because if the water, if the wind's coming out of the west, we stay to the east sure. of the islands. If the wind's coming out of the east, we go through Whale Pass and we'll fish on the west side. We can always be leeward of, of any weather. So, yeah, it, you know, a uniqueness to that is when I fished in Seward, we would book about 100 days a year. 
we would we would we would motor out about 18 miles to the end of Resurrection Bay, and then we would cut across the Gulf of Alaska about 40 miles to fish on the outsides of Prince William Sound, Montague Island, and Latouche, and those islands. But that's a 40 mile run of open water. Mm-hmm. If you get any, you know, the winds out of the southeast, southwest, 20 miles an hour or something, southeast, 20 miles an hour. You're at five foot, five, six footers in the Gulf of Alaska. Wow. So, so we would cancel maybe 10 days of the summer due to weather like that. And, you know, the people, you know, they, they're in Alaska, they've flown up to fish or a lot of ours were just single day trips. So they're people that are there and they're, they're touring Alaska and they want to do a day or two of fishing. So they show up at the dock and we give them the bad news about the weather and how bad it would be in the Gulf and, we'd cancel and they'd say, okay, well, we're, we're still here for two more days. Can we go tomorrow or the next day? Right. And I'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm booked a hundred days in a row, six right. passengers every day. So, boats, you know, yeah. It, it, yeah. So it was just a bummer because people would, you, you would not get to go or they maybe hang around and try to find another boat. I would refund them. Sure. But, uh, that was one of the things that I wanted to do is I would run two and a half to three hours a day to fish before we dropped a line in the water typically Mm -hmm. most days and two and a half three hours back in port lions we are fishing we are legitimately we can clear the breakwater out of our harbor go just around the corner two three minutes to paragrebney and be trolling and catching king salmon right there oh we can go another and we we can catch halibut in that area we a lot of our fishery is 20 30 minutes from the lodge when the silvers are running through, um, you know, throughout over at Raspberry Cape or whatever, when they're out in the Shellacoffs, that's about a 45-minute run to go out and just limit the boat crazy on silvers. Mm. But so our, our longest run that we fish, maybe an hour. Okay. The, the, the other uniqueness, too, is I, I do a lot of uh, transport hunts. For, for Sitka blacktail deer. Yes. From Seward, it would be that same run. We would hunt in Prince William Sound because that's kind of where the population of deer is closest to the Seward area. Okay. So it's it's a three, three-and-a-half-hour run in the winter, October, November, crossing the Gulf of Alaska, hoping the weather will allow us to get out there and hunt and then right. back. Where I'm fishing out of my lodge, we can get on the boat. We have breakfast in the morning. We load up the boat, we go out, I'll drop people on the, on the beach and, you know, I'll drop two here two a mile away or whatever. And I stay in the area. Everybody has handheld radios that they can be hunting at first light. We can leave the Harbor right, right. As the lights coming up and they'll be in the, you know, in the bush hunting by, you know, 30 minutes out of the lodge. That's amazing. It's and amazing. So, yeah, I just was going to check in with you about what kind of fish you can catch. And then, because uh, there's such a diverse population, like there is in parts of Texas, there's such a diverse mm-hmm. population of wildlife and fish there. Uh, what do y'all mainly target? Okay, the, 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 the species that everybody seems to want to fish is halibut. Right. That's, 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 our, that's our primary fish. King salmon are extremely popular, and we fish. We have them coming through our area pretty much year-round. Um, we have we have a really good – we call them silvers. They're the coho salmon. We have a really good run for them. We stream fish for coho silvers, coho salmon, the, the silvers, and we fish them in the saltwater. We saltwater fish the kings, 
and then the sockeyes come through we call them reds uh -huh. we fish them we fish them in two or three different streams that we have in you know, you can see them in the water, same when you're fishing the silvers in the stream. You can see them, and you're actually sight casting an individual fish and hooking it and fighting it in gin clear water. It's it's wow. pristine. It's when, it's, it, when I first started getting the chance to do it, it, it was like the really famous Russian river on the Kenai Peninsula, although you weren't elbow-to-elbow -elbow fishing with, you know, <laughs> a thousand people, you know, within a quarter-mile section or whatever Right, they're just it's trying to jockey for position on that water, right? <laughs> yeah, we yeah we get into our little rivers, and we'll, we'll hike through an old-growth spruce forest with moss hanging everywhere. It's about a mile in, and then we're fishing in gin-clear water, and it's – it, it just when you're there, it looks like nobody's ever been there before. It is unbelievable, spectacular. It's, it's truly God's country, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, absolutely. There's nothing prettier than Kodiak Island to me. The the other species, so we have the, the we have we really we have five species of salmon. The the three targeted ones are the kings, the silvers, and the reds. Okay. We also catch uh, humpies or uh, pinks, and we catch the chums um, occasionally. They're, they're, they're good if they're caught in salt water. They're just not the, the target that we're after. Sure. And then and then outside of salmon and halibut, we have a fantastic rockfish fishery where we have, we call them black bass. It's, they're not a bass. They're, they're, a, they're a pelagic rockfish. And then we have, um, we have quillbacks. We have tiger stripe rockfish, which is an orange fish with like black zebra stripes on them. How cool. And then we have... Oh, we have these yellow eye that can get up into biggest I ever saw in Seward fishing there was in the 20, 22, 24 pound range Goodness. out in, out in Kodiak. We're catching them in 30, 32 pounds. They're trophies. They are the most beautiful, beautiful fish. If you Google yellow eye rockfish and you look at that, that fish to me, when it's coming up is more exciting to me as a captain than a 200 pound halibut. <laughs> which is very exciting to me also by the way that's, oh, of course it is yeah that's just that's amazing it's fascinating the way and how long does somebody spend if they're planning a, a tripping a hunting or fishing trip of a lifetime to alaska um how many days should they plan on doing that i guess respective to hunting and fishing are both right our, our trips we, we we typically plan there's six nights with us and five days oh, okay guided fishing. that's pretty ample yeah uh, yeah, a lot of people will, will call me and they'll say, hey, you know, can you do a two or a three day trip? And I'll tell them, sure, I can I can work it out in my schedule, but you're going to have to be flexible with when your dates are because I got to work it into the beginning or the end of the season because I'm pretty booked. People show up on Sunday. We do a briefing. We have a wonderful meal at the lodge. We take care of fishing licenses and stuff. We talk about their expectations and you know what 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 they'd like to do and then you know we eat we have homemade desserts and everything mm -hmm. we sit around and have a cocktail or whatever monday morning breakfast and we fish five days in a row but you know people after you fly to get up to alaska you know my feeling is spend five or six days there you know and 
you know, unwind a little bit. You sure. know, you're 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 not going to see any traffic. We yeah. we rarely we'll see two or three other boats a day, and usually That's they're seiners. Wow. Yeah, commercial boats coming sure. through. We'll see the certain times of the year. We'll see the big crab boats passing through. They they're going from Kodiak through Whale Pass, heading out to. Uh, the Bering Sea or, you know, wherever we're going. Right. We have saners around all year long, which is a big purse net that they circle around a big school of salmon uh-huh. and pull them in. And some days when the timing is right and we just have to happen to be running near one and we, I can look and I can tell that they're just about ready to haul the load up on the deck. I'll pull up within about 20 yards of the boat and I'll start BSing with the crew. Everybody's got their camera just watching a ton of fish being dumped on the wow. decks, watching those guys working. It's it's fabulous. We have um we 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 have whales, humpback whales and occasional orcas, but the humpbacks are around us almost every single day. We'll be on anchor and they'll be passing by. Cool. So I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I would say for people coming to Alaska, if it's a fishing excursion, I would give it five or six days if it's guided. Um, you know, that the guides typically know their waters real sure. well. They know where the fish are. They're doing it day after day after day. So they kind of know what the runs are doing and the migration is doing. And they're going to put you on fish daily. If you're coming up as a do-it-yourselfer, you know, you're bringing your motor home up and you're going to fish all the streams up and down the Kenai uh-huh. and, you know, up around Palmer and all. I would say give that a month or two because you, you kind of got to hit the runs right and, you know, the timing and all that. Um, self-fishing in Alaska, especially if you're trying to get the kings and the rivers, it takes a lot, a lot of hours put in right. before people start Really just really figure, figuring yeah. out. Yeah, it's just right. to kind of figure the feel of it and the runs and where they're at and all. Um, it can be really crowded that way. That was one of the reasons I left Seward is I wanted people, you know, when you drive from Anchorage to Seward on a Friday night or whatever, you know, you're going to be bumper to bumper traffic doing 70 miles an hour. There's a moose on the side of the road. You want to pull off to take a picture and people are honking and making their waving gestures at you because you slowed them down for a minute. I, bet. I kept thinking to myself, man, I want to show people Alaska. Right. I don't want them to deal with that. We sure. fish all day in Seward. We fillet their fish. They take their fish and, you know, getting it packaged and all. Then they go to a restaurant and there'd be a 40 minute wait. Wow. You know, Seward, Seward is a beautiful, wonderful place. It's a fantastic fishery. I love it. But to me, Alaska, if you're coming to Alaska, I don't think that I want to provide, I, I don't want to show crowds. Right. I don't want my people to feel rushed or sure. pushed. And when you're out on a salmon fishery in Seward, like the Silvers are in at Pony Cove, you could walk across boats. It's unbelievable. That, that, I mean, it's, it's, thick, it's right. fun. Yeah. It's fun, and I enjoyed the heck out of it because all the captains are on the radio. You know, it's a competition who's going to get the boat limit first, right. and we're all talking trash at each other and laughing and joking. <laughs> right and it, we we make it fun, and it is. It's it's a wonderful thing to do and see. But then sometimes I would think, you know, these people are in traffic on the way to work every day. Yeah. You know, I want I want to provide peace and quiet and calm and 
you know, watch the eagle swoop down and steal a fish out of the water. See the whales, see the otters playing around and stuff. Nature at work, yeah. No, I get that completely. And I, I, the Kodiak Islands are pretty remote from what you're saying as far as traffic and people and that kind of stuff, right? Cause oh, I, absolutely. I've, I've seen this on yes. shows like Deadly Catch and that kind of stuff because I've been a big fan of that of that kind of you know the Alaskan the Last Frontier and that kind of stuff those those kind of shows on Discovery and elsewhere. And I'm just kind of like that must be really nice just to watch nature in action and just just observe. You know, I mean, there's just something to be yeah. said about that. Yeah, we leave the lodge at seven thirty in the morning, and we we take we pack a full lunch on the boat. We bring drinks and our coolers and all. We've got waters and sodas, and if the guys want to bring a couple beers, that's totally fine. We don't come back till five in the afternoon, and we you know you get out, you catch your halibut, then we move on, and we'll troll for for kings or silvers or whatever. Sure. Then we'll then we'll go hit a rock fish fish pile. So we'll have limits of salmon, halibut rockfish and lane cod too by the way is another species we fish for and during the day there's we're not having to run very far so there's plenty of times when the whales are breaching or whatever we we can kind of pull up close enough to get really good photography and just sit there and watch we can pull up to a little island in the middle of whale pass and photograph uh sea otter colonies that are all together it's you know it's just we'll see deer on the beaches if it's a really lucky day we'll see bears incidentally on the beaches Grizzly and then we bears, have a, right? yeah. Bears? Yeah, wow. yeah these are kodiak brown bears kodiak yeah. brown bears okay okay yeah and then we also one day a week starting around mid-july on there's a hatchery where thousands and thousands i mean the water is just teeming and busting with uh pinks and chums and stuff that this this hatchery is they they let the known escapement they count the fish going up into this little tiny stream and when it hits the number that it's the right amount and if you get too many in those streams they'll when they when their carcasses start rotting out after they die because salmon spawn and die right the carcasses can actually pollute a lake where all of these little uh, the little salmon fry are, so the, right. the the biologists watch it real close, and then they'll shut down that stream with a gate, and then oh, they harvest wow. all of these fish. They they milk the eggs and and the semen, and they mix. You know, they they grow salmon to to replenish streams all around Alaska or Kodiak to keep them going. But when those fish are trapped and they can't get up that river anymore. There'll be, we'll go one day a week usually, and we kind of plan it around the low tide. We'll go in there on the boats, and we can just stand on the bow, and we can photograph bears fishing. They're diving under the water, coming out with salmon in their huh. mouth. And That's sometimes cool. there'll be six, eight, ten bears. There'll be a sow with a couple cubs in there some days. It's fabulous. It's one of the best parts. People love the fishing, and they're like, they talk about the bears that they got to see and all. It's really cool. And the way that day works out typically is we'll do, you know, we'll spend a couple hours of our day going in and looking at the bears. And then the outside of where that little bay is, is right across to one of our favorite reefs for all of the rockfish sure. and halibut fishing. A lot of good bottom fishing out there. Oh, that's fantastic. So we, so we get we still get a great day of fishing out of it, plus we get bear viewing. 
Oh yeah, that's great. I mean, you get to see, see yeah. nature in action, and you get to have a great day of fishing. And the cool thing I like about what you talk about, as far as a guide experience, because I I've talked about this a lot on this show, um, and then I talked about it on Ted's podcast, which I mentioned on the last show I was on. And you know, I, I often said the last fishing trip my father-in-law took with one of the guys that I've been with many years uh, back when I first started fishing saltwater. Uh, he basically would take them out, you know, seven o'clock, do a redfish limit of five uh, redfish on the coast of Texas, uh-huh. and yep. would be done by nine o'clock, nine thirty. And he cleaned their fish and sent them on their way and go try to sell the next trip. And and my father-in-law said, "I'm not going back with him anymore because we we could have gone and caught a limit of something else." See, that's what you do, which is really good. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're out there all day. I I, I ask people what it is that what their goals are, what their, you know, what their dream is, what is it you want to see? And we do everything that we can to, uh, to make that happen. It's, it's, I, if I could tell a story, it's a great one. And it's a funny one. I had a couple, uh, Greg and Gloria showed up on a Sunday night and I only had the two of them. And they, they, in, in our briefing on Sunday night, they said, okay, we only want to take home 50 pounds of fish. That's all. And I said, okay. I said, do you, you want to mix it up a little bit of salmon, a little bit of rockfish, a little bit of halibut? And they said, yes. And I said, okay, I can work with that. I also had a camera, uh, a lady that was doing my brochure and her husband were coming in on Monday night. Uh So then I was going to have four people on the boat and Greg and Gloria were great because I said, you are going to be all over my brochure. This is going to be awesome. So Sunday night, they, they only wanted 50 pounds of fish, which I've got a week to get 50 pounds of fillet. That's simple. Yeah, pretty easy. So sure. I said, okay, every night when we fillet your fish, which we do, and we vacuum seal it, we cut it down into one pound packages, we vacuum seal, freeze it. I said, every night they, they weigh each species. You had 20 pounds of halibut fillets, you had 40 pounds of salmon fillets, you had whatever. And I said, so y'all keep an eye on that every day. And then it, once you get to where you've got enough of this or enough of that, you know, we'll, we'll move on to another species right. and we can catch and release. We can do whatever y'all want to do. This is your week. And then they still Sunday night, they looked at me real serious and they said, okay, if we have a halibut come up to the side of the boat, that's more than say 80 pounds, will you cut it loose? And I said, of course I will. It's your sure. fish. You tell me what to do. Yep. And he said, are you sure? Cause a lot of captains want all those pictures. And I said, yep. I will pull that thing right up the next to the side of the boat. We'll take all the pictures we can, and then we'll cut the line right at the hook and let it go. Right. And they said, you promise me you'll do that. And I said, absolutely sure. guys, come on, lighten up. <laughs> so the first day we're fishing, we're in 30 foot of water. We're in a spot that I had never fished before. One of the lines that we had just dropped a line down and then they had gone in to put on glove fishing gloves and stuff. And that rod went off and it bent double to the pull to the, to the water basically. And they're in my cabin. So I grab the rod and I go to set the hook on it. It's running and it comes out. I missed the fish. Mm. I'm like, wow, that was crazy. So I lower that rod again. And I move to lower a rod on the stern, and that same rod goes off again, and it just starts squealing line, spooling line out. So Greg gets out there, and he starts fighting this halibut. And it's, I mean, it ran 200 yards. He gets it back in. It ran 100 yards. He gets it back close. It runs, you know, I mean, he would get it within 40 yards of the boat, and then it would spool the reel again. That happened like five times. 
he's breathing like he's going to drop. He's in his late 60s, oh, no. and I'm I'm behind him going, you need help, man? You need help. Because I'm right. thinking, he's, he's gasping for right, air, and right. it's scaring me. So I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, do you need help? Let me know if you need help. And he turns to me as he's fighting this fish, and he's like, when this fish gets – gets to the boat you you kill it you kill it and i said i said greg this fish i bet this fish is going to go 200 pounds uh-huh. i don't care this fish is trying to kill me you kill it <laughs> so i look at his wife and i said what do you want me to do and she said go ahead and harvest the fish so we harpoon it with a buoy i harpoon it and i i my harpoon tip i don't tie off to the boat because they can they can fight hard and sure. pull it off yeah so I harpoon the fish, I flip the buoy in the water, and it runs again. And he oh. turns around and said some very polite words to me, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> jokingly. But anyway, to this day, I still see them at the Boise Sportsman Show every year, and they fished with they fish with me every other year. And he still talks about, because I, I, <laughs> on one of my big displays, I've got that fish hanging up and me and him are shaking hands and and it's on my display and every year he's like i shouldn't have killed that fish and i say greg i asked you 10 times and he yeah. goes i know i know and then after i stuck a harpoon in it it was too late yeah but <laughs> yeah no that's yeah crazy. You, you know on on the halibut the typically when a halibut gets about 70 80 pounds and up they're all females or they're they're the majority of your large halibut over say 80 pounds are all going to be females. Okay. The ones that are up in those two, 300 pound class and I've harvested plenty of them. Those are breeders and they're a genetically big fish and they're breeders. Sure. The, 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 the taste of the fillets, you know, once you're over like 150 pounds or something, the meat's a little bit coarser. They're still good. They're just not as good as right. say a 60 Smaller pounder one. or whatever. Right. So being a, you know, conservationist of our halibut and everything, I I tell people on Sunday nights now, I say, hey, these are the breeders. It's your fish. It's your adventure. It's your experience. If you're a trophy hunter and you want to land it, we are the best at it. Right. I love doing it. And I am, I am the best. Of course, I'm saying that, but, uh, um, but I also tell them if you want to release it, it's very easy to do. We can, uh, we can take all the pictures that we can get in the water and then we can release the fish. So I let that be the angler's decision on that. No sure. pressure on them. How, but, I'm just, but we release, yeah. go ahead. I was just saying, how big was this halibut when y'all got it in the one in the store? Oh, that one was 206 pounds. Golly. So it was over 200 pounds. Amazing. Wow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We caught a 454 pounder in whale pass right outside of whale pass which is 15 minutes from the lodge um with uh me and a really good friend of mine from port lions named bill oh wow yes that's amazing i mean so one of the things you touched on a minute ago or a few minutes ago was you know asking the goal for the client and i try to educate my listeners and people that read my articles and stuff about guides and outfitters to ask the the guide good questions and really have a good you know synergy there with the goals and the expectations and the limitations of isn't that wildly important don't you think as a guide you can't beat that i will tell you that I love the guides in Alaska. I've got dozens and dozens of, of my closest friends are Alaska fishing guides. 
I've, I've been around guys at the dock that are grouching and grumbling and barking and cussing sure. and smoking. And I've been around the most sweetest, humble, nicest, best fishermen you'll ever meet in your life. And they're wonderful to be on the boat. So I always tell people, you know, like I'll, I'll be at a sportsman show and I'm obviously always trying to sell Port Lions Lodge right. and my crew and my staff and me and I'll get people that, oh, man, I just can't go that week or, you know, my my group wants to go to Sitka or they want to go to Juno or they want to go to Homer or whatever. And I always tell them, research your guide. Sure. Ask, ask for people that have fished with them. Look at their, their websites. Look at their blogs. Look and see if they've got any written comments and see if you can search out and find people that have fished with them. Um, TripAdvisor is huge because if a client puts something on TripAdvisor, it's there. Yeah, it's it not coming off. There. Yeah, if, it's like yeah, yeah, if the captain yeah. if the captain doesn't agree with what was said, you can rebuke. You can say, well, this happened and this happened, and the weather was horrible, and you know the seas were extremely rough, and it, you know, somebody on the boat was sick all day. You know, you you can come back and say, I'm you know I'm really sorry they had a poor experience, but there are reasons or maybe there aren't reasons or whatever. But when you look at a trip advisor and you see article after article, after article, after article where somebody's getting five-star reviews and they're saying the food was impeccable, sure. unbelievable. There was more food than people could eat. They're filleting fish right behind the lodge, right by the beach. They're throwing scraps out there, you know, pieces of skin and stuff and eagles are swooping down oh, and taking wow. it and we're videoing that hunt. We'll have 30 eagles standing on our beach at times right behind the lodge. Bald eagles, um, really? Wow. Bald eagles. Oh, I mean, absolutely. The American hero, over. bald eagle, you know, yeah, 30 of them. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And they, they, I think they set their clock to, they know when we have a little causeway, a little bridge that goes across our little, our little cove that we're in, there's a bridge that goes across it. And when we come in in the afternoon, there'll be eagles lined up all along that, that little walkway. Waiting. Just waiting for y'all to throw the yeah, straps out. Yeah, they know this work is coming. Yeah. So nothing goes so, to waste so, in Alaska, obviously, right? <laughs> no, not at all. You know, we'll throw like the spines, sure, the carcasses, sure. I know what you mean. the Tarkus head or whatever, and, and right. they'll swoop down and get it. But, but the key is, is you can pretty much do a little bit of research and then get on the phone with the guides and talk to them. And you can kind of find out, do I want to spend eight hours a day, five days in a row, or two days in a row, or even one day with my wife and my children on that boat with that guy? Right. And Because uh, that's a huge part of it. You know, I tell people at the lodge, I say, you know what? Whether you like it or not, you don't have a choice. You're going to go out on my boat, and you're going to have fun. Right. That's Absolutely. mandatory. You don't <laughs> allow right. nothing else. You're going to have fun, and we're going to make sure it happens. We put on music. We ask them if they have an iPod or music on their iPhones. You know, we have Bluetooth to our stereo. We put on music. We oh, fish. Cool. We joke. Somebody, I tell people or every day, hey, when I'm running out, if there's something on the beach or you see a whale or you see something and you want me to divert and go over to it so you can photograph, it's your day. You just tell me what you want to do. Wow. I, I tell them we're going to have a blast on the boat. We're going to see all kinds of wildlife. And in the middle of all that, we're going to fill this boat with fish. Right. 
Yeah, and that's it's the total outdoor experience. I talk a lot about it this show, James, about the outdoor lifestyle. And this is a kind of cusp of the outdoor lifestyle because it's it's basically going all in to experiencing the whole part of what Alaska has to offer in, in your lodge situation, right? Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah. Absolutely. We've got we've got it all. The the other thing is I, I run one of my catamarans. I have a guy named Marvin Nelson that runs my other catamaran, and I have his cousin Abner Nelson who runs his own boat, and also he's a fill-in captain for me. Those two were born and raised on a Fognac Island. Oh, really? And They're the in uniqueness, yeah, the uniqueness to a Fognac Island is in 1964 on Good Friday there was an earthquake that wiped out a big, huge section of Anchorage, Seward, Valdez, all the way along coastal Alaska, and a tsunami hit Marvin and Abner's village when they were, you know, Abner, they were probably both six, seven, eight-year-olds. I think Marvin was maybe five, actually. They lived through that. They experienced, they they can tell stories about the entire bay draining and the villagers knew to go up to high ground because the water would come back in. Yeah, they tell stories about how the the ground in the village look like waves rolling by. But the the cool thing about these guys is they are the humble, humblest, sweetest human beings, and they're out on the boat every day, and they're telling stories about Kodiak and about their ancestors and about their village and about this this old archaeological village that was found right across the bay from where their old village was they they are a wealth of knowledge and information wow. so they're out on the boat telling stories and I, I i just at the dinner table all night long i have people just amazed at all the things that they see and hear while they're out there with us well and it's one of those things like it's the heritage of the sport it's not just that we hunt fish i mean a lot of the people in that village i'm sure are subsistence um hunters and fishermen correct Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. that's a very common thing in Alaska is a subsistence uh, fishing and hunting and, and just basically eating to, you know, eating to live, you know. And, I mean, the thing that we have as, as people live in Texas and beyond is, is something that, you know, we go hunting and fishing for fun. But, I mean, it's something to, to watch a whole, you know, the Yupik people and the whole, you know, uh, Alaska natives um, to, uh, you know, that experience it from a different angle of uh, this is our survival, you know, and this is how we mm-hmm. live off the land. I think that's really cool, dude. Right. Yeah, my village is probably, I mean, it's originally all Aleutic, and now there's, there's um, I don't know, we made 25% um, non-native in the village okay. there. There's about 140 people there. The majority of the jobs are commercial fishing or they work for the city or whatever. But when they're not working, they are berry picking and yes. putting up berries. They're they're catching salmon and they're smoking it and they're canning it for the winter time. They're hunting their deer, they're hunting elk. You know, they they we have so much going on in our village that you know if if, if you live there and you're an outdoorsman, there's very little meat game or anything that you would ever need to purchase. Right. I don't think I have bought any fish from a market or a store probably since the nineties. Wow, and the fish and wildlife are so amply supplied there. You know, they're 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 more prevalent to go out and catch or kill. You know, where you don't have to worry about going to the store. Is that right? Am I saying that right? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. And you know what you're getting? You're getting nature's fish. Yes, and the way nature's it is intended. Yeah, yeah. We're getting our venison, our Sitka blacktail deer. 
you know, there's there's no hormones, there's no steroids, there's no fatting them up at the slaughterhouse or anything. When I pull a steak or a package of hamburger out of my freezer, I know that I'm feeding something to my kids that's just basically natural meat. Sure, you know? that's healthy, right? That's not oh, yeah. hormone, and that's the whole reason a lot of us hunting fish is just so we have that connection to the to the nature, but also we have that connection to to understanding where all this came from. You know that they're right. Um, um, you know, and that's the thing that I, I'd say is so important with the outdoor lifestyle is just understanding that and teaching the kids about that, which I know you're really big about too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I get a lot of questions that very frequently people will ask me, well, I mean, it's probably just an all guy deal at your lodge, right? And I said, oh my gosh, no, I get probably, I get groups of guys that are buddies that go, sure. go somewhere every together, year. They right. come to me every year. Yeah, they go together. But I get a lot of families. I get a lot of like grandma and grandpa and two of their kids and their wives and their grandkids. And they're all coming to the lodge for like, you call it a family reunion, whatever. They're sure. coming to fish and hang out with us. Yeah. No, that's cool because the generational part of it, you know, one of the guys that I've interviewed that Ted also works with that you and I know um, out of Striper Express, Bill Carey in, um, in, in Texoma, Texas, Lake Texoma, Texas, mm -hmm. he, he talks about, well, he'll put little notes on his calendar that says two or three or four, and he'll, that'll mean the generations that are fishing that day. And how many wow. people have fished in that generation and been going fishing with him. And that's really, I, I say this a lot on this show, I, it's really the legacy that you leave behind there with the tradition like that. It's that rich, you know? Don't you agree? Yes, sir. I totally agree, 100%. 100%. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, even, even in our village there, we have a, a cross on a Fognac Island. They have a camp there in the summer called Dig a Fognac. And what they do is they take the local kids and they'll go over and spend a week or 10 days at this location. And there's people there that are teaching them, you know, how to use a, a saying, how to use a long line, you know, to catch halibut. Sure. It's like it's like a trot line for us. Right. They teach them. They'll, they'll have a deer and they'll teach them how to gut it and process it. They teach them to respect the fishing game and the land. They teach them how to put up berries and make jams and jellies you know they teach them safety what you can eat what not to eat and all so they 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 keep the culture and the subsistence lifestyle wow. going they keep it rejuvenated and you know when i when i get kids up at the lodge that come up you know the teenagers you know we all have a smartphone and everybody's on them and all but you'll notice during the daytime you know they'll have their earplugs in and they're playing some game on their iPhone early in the day, but pretty quick, man, their face is pressed to the window while we're running <laughs> or they're, they're out on the deck taking pictures or fishing. And, you know, pretty soon they're like, yeah, this is a whole different world brand. This is right, something that's right, fabulous. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, it's great to have that, you know, just, just that break in, you know, technology just to have the experience of the outdoors. I mean, I think that's really what I take from that because it is just so vitally important for our future of this sport, you know, and it's certainly a rich tradition in Alaska. I'm not so worried about that area, but other areas where it's declining because the kids have so many other distractions to go to, you know, you know that yes. as well as I do. 
Um, yes. And just having that heritage, and then the and I know that the, I've watched enough um, enough Alaskan shows to know that the fishing game department. I'm not sure what they call it there, but what they um, what they do there is very much about if you waste, you know, wanton waste and that kind of stuff is is very yeah. badly looked upon. I mean, uh, just the way that the game laws are set that way for game and fish is just so you know, uh, it's it's to preserve it for the future because the tradition's so rich and also the uh, the, the, the game and fish is so ample is that right that that very much is yeah there's there's uh there's jokes in Alaska and they're totally jokes but they yeah I've heard many people say you know you'd be better off uh, um, shooting your mother-in-law than poaching a moose or something in Alaska I mean they they will come down on you hard, so yeah. hard if I've you get that. caught yeah. yeah, you don't want to get caught with six salmon on a five salmon day or three nope. halibut. Or we we never do that. We 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 help control that. I I make jokes. We'll catch rockfish and it's like a fast, fast and furious crappie bite or something. When we get in them, sometimes they're right at the surface. And I'll tell people, can everybody count to five? You can count five. You can keep five each. That's it. Can y'all all count to five? Right. And they look at me funny, like, of course. And I'm like, okay, now. <laughs> There's zero, one, two, three, four, and five. Y'all can handle zero, one, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> right? and, they say, yeah. and I'm like, okay, you're all at zero right now. When you get to five, let me know. We'll be catching them. They're coming up. Some of them are small. I'll release them. Some of them go in the boat. So we, and I'll look at people. It's been a frenzy. I'm running back and forth on both sides of the boat, bringing these fish in. And, and I'll look at somebody. I'm like, how many is that? And they'll go, uh uh, three? Is it four? I, was that three? <laughs> they lost and I'm like, count. dude, you said you could count to five. Come on. We asked you this earlier for a reason, yeah. right? <laughs> I have so much fun with that because I, I know exactly how many they they brought in, but I, I mess with them a little bit. Sure. Like, how many is that? Are you sure? You lose count when <laughs> the fish is that hot, man, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's amazing. I mean, we, we'll get on a, on a good school of black rockfish sometimes and you know, I'll, I'll have maybe five people fishing, and that's 25 fish, and they'll be in the boat in 15 <laughs> minutes or less. It's unbelievable. I love yeah. that about your guide service, that you guys will hit multiple species and, and make a full day out of a trip, because that really makes it economical, too, if you're really looking to bring bring fish home. And I know it's you can always do a bite cheaper and everything like that, but just to have that harvest that you can take home with you, and I love the fact that about Alaska that you can take your, your meat and your fish home. That's fantastic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll take them and look at waterfalls and Oh yeah. You know, we're going to spend the day on the water. The only thing that would ever make us come in early would be if, you know, if they just say, "Hey, you know, we've got all the fish we want and we're right. tired and we want to go get into the sauna, the banya." Oh cool. You know, which is which is a it's a wood-fired sauna. You know, I mean, we're we're there for them, but we rarely rarely come in early. We're usually out there to the last minute you know, putting fish in the boat and looking at wildlife. Right. So what's the, what's the weather there that time, this time of year? I'm just curious because this is obviously way north and, uh, is it, is it a mild summer or is it a, a, a cold winter? I know it's really cold and icy and everything like that. And, and there's snow all over the place during the winter time, but how is it during this time of year in the summer? Okay, so Kodiak is probably a little bit more like Seattle. Okay, we're we're, we're coastal. We're out in the Gulf. We we we're, we have more rain than snow in the winter time. Uh, we'll we'll get snow and it'll hold and it's really great for our deer hunting in November sure. or whatever. Yeah. But our average temperatures are probably in the twenties, twenty fives, which okay. in Texas that's frigid cold. In Kodiak and Alaska. 
Don't ask me why, but it's not as uncomfortable. Okay. And our days on the water, we have a lot of sunny days. We have a lot of, you know, 60, 70 degree, which is perfect. I mean, it's T-shirt weather. Sure. We, we can have some rainy days and on. Like I tell people, just layer your clothing. It's very important if you go to Alaska to, to fish or hike or whatever, pack layers you know i'll wear like an under armor an under an undergarment and then i'll wear something over that and something over and then sure. i have a raincoat and if it's a if it's a windy cool wet day then you know i'll put on the raincoat over that if it's a hot sunny day i'll strip down to the to the very bottom you know Layer, t-shirt or right, whatever right yeah so you know just prepare for that but it's you, you know where we are we don't get the fetch on the seas that was the biggest problem in Seward. It wasn't really that the weather was horrible. It would just be that, you know, if it's blowing 20 knots southeast for four, five, six days in a row with that long, you know, hundreds of miles of open ocean, yes. you know, it just picks up, picks up, picks up, picks up. Where we are, we're kind of in a little bowl that's right. surrounded. It's like a horseshoe-shaped bay that's huge on the north side of Kodiak, and then on the you know, on the west side of that, we've got a fog neck and whale and raspberry island and all that. So these mountains are, you know, 2,000 feet, things like that. So they're they're blocking the wind um, to, to where we're fishing in pretty calm water okay. uh, most of the time. So, yeah, we, we you know, we, uh, we don't have a lot of days that are just snarly, nasty. I think in the last 10 years since I moved from Seward to um to kodiak i've probably had uh, we haven't canceled a day of fishing ever we've had a couple days where it was really rainy or whatever and we went out and got a lemon a halibut on a friday on their last day and then we came in early because they just said you know boy we've caught everything we need to catch let's sure. go dry out a little bit right and our boats are fully you know we have fully enclosed cabins we have private bathrooms you know you go in close the door there's an actual toilet that looks like a toilet there's <laughs> you know there's no bucket there's none of that yeah. the wife the wives always want to know that oh sure we That's have important. we have 30 30 foot armstrong catamarans dual hull vessels they handle the chop real well. They handle the weather, the waters real well. They're very stable. They're very, they're fast. You know, they're economical to run, which is good for me. But they're so comfortable and they're, they're just fish, fishing machines. They're incredible. I think they attract the fish to them. No, that's great. Well, we're about at the end of our time uh, together. Would you please give us uh, your website and then how people can contact you? Maybe a phone number if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. The website, it's Port Lions Lodge. The website is, you know, www. It's Port, P-O-R-T, Lions, L-I-O-N-S, Lodge.com. And my phone number is 907-830-0188. That's Super. a cell phone. Yes. And then the lodge number is 907-454-2264. Call right. me anytime. All right, fantastic. I just I'll put both of those numbers in the show notes so people can um, people can contact you that way and possibly look at booking a trip. I mean, this is fantastic. So awesome. thank uh, you. This is great. I really appreciate you joining us and sharing some of your experience. I mean, I, I love to have guides on the show because you guys give so much insight of what to look for in a guide, what to um, you know the kind of experience that you can have, and I mean, you've done a fantastic job of that for sure. <laughs> so well, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us. 
Yes, sir. Uh, Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Stegall, Captain James Stegall from the Port Lions Lodge in Alaska. And a fantastic interview. Love this guy. It was a very easy guy to interview, obviously, as you as you heard there. Uh, I will put his phone numbers that he gave in the in the show notes as well as the website. You can check that out if you want to book a trip of a lifetime to Alaska. Really, the rates to do something like that are not that outrageous. I was looking at his website before I recorded these bumpers and... Uh, you know, pretty reasonable for something that's going to be a five or six day adventure. Um, you know, you're not looking at, at breaking the bank really. It's just uh, one of those things where you can uh, definitely make sure in a trip like this to bring a tip, you know, tip your guides often and, um, you know, budget for the, those kind of things with travel and everything like that. But I mean, once you get there, I mean, it's not really expensive for, for uh, you know, as much hunting and fishing that you would get. For doing something like that so anyway i wanted to do a destination show today and i uh, really thought it would be interesting to bring you something from the great beyond you know and i uh, really appreciate you guys taking the opportunity to listen and uh, watch and read our stuff so you can check me out at dustinsprojects.com that is my website that has my hub of all the dustin's project stuff in the in the outdoor lifestyle that i do articles and stuff like that please stay tuned to fishgame.com for all of our different things that we are rocking and rolling over there I just finished work on a uh, program for a um, ice replacement sponsor that is going to run live, I believe, in July, beginning part of July. So stay tuned for that. Fishgame.com. Sign up for our newsletters. We have the Tactical Tuesday or Tactical and Practical Tuesday, Wildlife Wednesday, and the Thursday Texas State of the Outdoor Nation newsletter. And that is free. Get the kind of a mini magazine delivered to your email box every uh day uh tuesday through thursday if, of the week and we have different content and new and fresh content every single week on that blog um and on that newsletter and that all relates back to our blog at fishgame.com so definitely check that out thank you guys so much for watching reading and listening have an awesome day in the outdoors we'll see you next time <music>